Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Unsucklable Podcast. Yeah, we're back after an exciting Friday episode, doing all sorts of transfers, um, rounding up transfers. I think we'll probably have some more transfers. We're back for our usual Monday spot. I'm your host, Manuel Fit, And once again, joined by Josh. Josh, that was fun on Friday. We should probably do this more often. I think so, especially in January when, you know, there's a ton of... Uh ton of transfers you worked at transfer market it, it just it just makes sense I, i'm definitely down hopefully the other guys are able to get in on some as well because uh i just i enjoy doing transfer talks and having you know the inside perspective i think i think i think it was fun i'm definitely gonna do it again yeah i think also like if you haven't listened to that episode i think uh, some of the stuff is still pretty current so give that give that a listen if you haven't heard it yet um i thought it was a pretty good episode but yeah um it's not just the two of us today it's actually all four we're a full house. Filippo, you're back. How was your trip? It was cold. It was cold. I got a little taste of what you, you three deal with every day there. I made a trip to Kansas City for the United Soccer's Coaches Convention. Got to meet some cool people. Some of them not very known. Some of them known, like Jermaine Jones from the U.S. Men's National Team back in 2014. You definitely remember him from Bundesliga. Uh, met Lars Lagerback, at least through Zoom call and talking to him, the, the former coach, the Swedish coach that coached Iceland when they upset England in the Euros. It was a fun trip. Just very cold in Kansas City, Missouri. Very cold. I have to remember remind you, though, that I live in Canada's palm tree capital. Um, not that cold here. So... But what do you yeah. mean not that cold? What's the weather? Uh, 10 degrees Celsius at the moment. That's cold to me. I come from Brazil. <laughs> Negative 17 here. So we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. I was just going to say, Josh and Adrian, that's cold. Adrian, I saw you sent us a picture. Minus 25. Now that's yeah. cold. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that Josh probably got a little taste of that polar uh, air that came blowing through Eastern Canada on the weekend. But, you know. Once you dress for it, you're good to go. I uh, I happened to listen to you guys while I was doing my groceries on Saturday. It was a great episode. I learned a lot. Uh, I liked the little talk about the Pokal, which, you know, obviously has got a lot of attention lately for the teams that are not in it, which is great. And it should get some for the teams that are still in it. But yeah, it's it's been very, very cold. But we're happy to be back. No longer a listener. Filippo and I are here. The four guys are all back together. So let's let's get into this. I'm excited. Manuel. I'm excited too. Yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of cold, looks like something that we should talk about when we talk about World Cup qualifying, right? Canada and the U.S. Mm. Seems like they're just going to, well, not Canada actually is going to get some heat, but it's going to be a cold game. It's going to be very cold. By the way, uh, minus 25 for you, Filippo, for all our American listeners in Celsius is minus 13 in Fahrenheit. That's very cold. Um, That's so cold that I don't even know what it feels like. And it's probably going to be that cold where Canada and the U.S. are going to play. Um, There was an interesting one that came out this week that if Canada had played in uh, Vancouver, which probably now when you think about restrictions in Ontario, probably been the better choice. Um, 26,000 instead of just 11,000, right? Um, And a little bit better weather than the US would have played in Portland and Seattle. So not only do West Coast Canadian fans miss out, but also West Coast American fans. So we're in this together, West Coast fans. Uh, we're all going to miss out on some football. But before we talk about that, we have CONCACAF qualifiers on the menu today. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about this. <sighs> Adrian, this topic I'm excited about. Everton is 
in talks to sign Vito Pereira. Yeah, it's for me. I don't know. Do you want me to get right into it, Manuel? Should I just take it away yeah. here about my you thoughts can on start Vitor? And then I can give my thing, yes. my two cents about this. So I'll take it from the uh, the Portugal and what came after that view, and then I'll hand it over to you for 1860. But I would say that the highlight of his career was probably what he did in Portugal with his time with Porto. You know, winning the league there two seasons in a row, but. When you look back at that Porto team he inherited, it was one of the better Porto teams I've seen in my lifetime. When you look at the talent, like there was João Moutinho, Hulk, Varela, who, you know, not as as prominent anymore, but he was good at the time. James Rodriguez. And then we had the Brazilian fullbacks of Alexandro, Danilo, Otamendi was in there, Fernando, who went on to Man City and then Sevilla. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, all of the pieces of that Europa League winning side from 2011 under Andre Villas-Boas and more. I mean, minus Falcao, who left for Atletico. But I mean, they really were a hotbed of top, top talent. And they had a much, much better squad than anyone else in Portugal. In fact, I have a theory that this squad alone catapulted the careers of not only Vitor Pereira, but also Andre Villas-Boas' career. And, uh, you know, there should have been some asterisks next to that. But that's for another conversation. Um, but Pereira, you know, he takes this Porto side. It wasn't until they started to get picked apart that they began to struggle in Portugal. Like, their second league title was thanks to Benfica absolutely bottling it in stoppage time, which was ultimately the decider towards the end of the season. So there were signs already that as Pereira started to lose some of these elite talents... Porto started to wane a bit and he took off to Al Ali, then to Greece to manage another side that typically has the league one prior to the season even beginning in Olympiacos, right? But to be fair to him, when he took over there at Olympiacos, they were in second and he got them back up to first, sort of like a, sort of like, a, I guess you could say almost like a Nico Kovac passing the torch to Hansi Flick situation. They were always favorites, but just it wasn't working and they're underachieving under one manager. So credit to Pereira there for making it work. But since then, I'm going to hand it off to you, Manuel. Since then, he hasn't done much and he, he hasn't been at the best club in when he's not at the best club in the league. Sorry, he hasn't done anything super notable, including his stint in Turkey and, of course, with 1860, right? Yeah, uh, I don't often cover 1860, and he's actually one of the reasons why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolute heartbreak. Um, Caveat, he is not solely responsible for this, but he did take a large portions of the blame. Yeah, Vito Pereira was brought in in January 2017 and 1860 is in a very difficult ownership situation. They're one of the German clubs that um, where, where the majority of the shares are sold to a foreign investor, in this case, Hassan Ismaik. But the, the voting shares are still the majority of the club because that's how 50 plus one works, right? Um, I've written many articles about that and uh, the story can be found online. I, I wrote a feature article actually about this entire disaster for Howler magazine. So um, yeah, I remember this time very well. He comes in in January 1st and this was when the club handed over sort of all decision makings to the, the investor Hassan Ismaik and um, one of Hassan Ismaik's first acts as being now allowed to do whatever he wants with his toy was to bring in Victor Pereira as the new head coach. And Victor Pereira was introduced at this beer hall meeting in downtown downtown Munich at the at the club sponsor, Hofbräuhaus, I think it was. And um, yeah, he comes in and, you know, it's like fans at the bottom and like he's sitting on, an, on a balcony and like making these grandiose statements. And one of the things he's saying is like, we go to the top, to the top, right? Um, five months later, May, th- like around May, it was in mid-May, um, the club is facing relegation from Bundesliga 2. He's in the relegation playoffs and we go down to the third division. And for, for him to go to the top, to the top, he had to sign all these guys. He brought in a Brazilian named Ribama. He brought in a bunch of guys from Portugal and like all these players were very expensive, right? And it turned out that there was no money left, 18 million euros in debt. And um, that also meant that the club needed the investor to essentially finance the the third division license, which he didn't want to do because of a power struggle. So we went down straight to the fourth division. From second division, 
third division, and then we didn't get the license there to fourth division. So Victor Pereira holds the questionable title of getting a club relegated not once but twice within six months. So that's my memory of Victor Pereira. Didn't work. He underestimated that division completely, and the players that he signed didn't work in second division football. Um, didn't he didn't do the research required for for the league that he was playing in? In other words, and. He works very closely together with Kiel Yorapshan, um, the player agent who, who is very active on the Brazilian market. Um, Tevis is one of his guys, right? And um, so a lot of the guys that were brought in were brought in. Was on, it Kia, Manuel? Sorry, to yeah, Kia Yorapshan. Yeah, yeah, he had Mascherano too. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's where this is coming from. And this is, I think, also where it comes from in Everton. Um, so yeah, Everton fans, be ready. <laughs> You're getting a good one. Yeah, and you know, Manuel may think differently, but I, I hope that Vitor can sort of prove us wrong. But in going to Everton, it's, that club's already a mess. Like I did a video on it recently with Alan Feely, who's actually the editor of Football España, but he is an Irishman who supports Everton, has his entire life. And he was basically telling me that since Moshiri has taken over, they've spent... I think somewhere around 500 million pounds only to sort of go backwards in a sense. You know, now they're sitting close to relegation. Um, they had a director of football and Marcel Brands who, you know, ultimately left the club because the owner, Moshiri, was going over his head and, you know, he likes to get amongst the agents. So he's going to love having Kia Drabshi in there. He's going to be speaking with Georges Mendes. He's going to be speaking with all sorts of agents to get more signings in. Um, but what this does is that there's no structure at all at the club and they go from manager to manager to manager there's a new manager every season who they bring in their own signings to fit their play style then they get sacked then another manager comes in makes signings to fit their play style they get sacked so you have this just mishmash of all these different players from different managers from every single season and there's no real plan it's all very middling as alan put it in the video and i was speaking to him by the end of it it was so bad with rafa benitez that they were playing results-based football, but without the results. And that's, you know, this is what Vitor Pereira is walking into. And with his pedigree or lack thereof, I just, I find it hard to see any sort of good coming out of this. It sounds very much like 1860, very much the same way. You know, in 1860, people look at them now and in, in the third division and people forget how big of a club they actually are. You know, they, this is a team that's in the top 10 in terms of membership in, in Germany. And, and when it comes to away, away attendance, they're also in the top 18 um, of all clubs. You know, the amount of attendance that they bring to away stadiums, which is like a big measurement of how big of a club you are in Germany, right? They're in the top 18. And so this is still a pretty sizable team and club with a huge history in, in German football. And... Um, he was given free reign there and it became this sort of carousel of weird player signings and very confusing as well of what was actually going on. There was no structure and it was all, it all seemed like, oh, here's this talented guy from Brazil. Maybe he will work out and then we can sell him and make huge money on it. But does he actually fit into the club? No, that's not what we need. Like Ribama, the signing him, remember that. It was such a weird transfer. Um, and it only really seemed to benefit the agency, if anyone else. And then they were after, and this doesn't happen, but they were after Shakhtar Donetsk Ismaili, also another Brazilian. And this is like a second division team, right? They don't, they didn't need fancy Brazilians. They needed someone who could like know the league and survive in that league. And I Everton are just above the drop zone now, and you see Newcastle spending all that money. I'd be worried if I was an Everton fan. To be honest, if I see something like that come to the club now and essentially it will be just a carousel of new signings and even more disjointed than it already is. What do you think, Adrian? I think that you're absolutely right because that's one of the things that is a big complaint amongst the fans is that Moshiri is getting too involved and he did. He did do something that they liked, which was bring in that director of football and Marcel Brands. They brought him in from PSV, I think it was. He had, you know, he had won a few titles with PSV while he was the director of football there. But they bring him in and ultimately he ends up leaving once Rafa Benitez comes along because they entrusted every single thing from scouting, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, the football decisions all fell on Rafa Benitez. And so they got rid of Marcel Brands at the beginning of the season. Now you don't have that person in place. Now you just have Moshiri calling all the shots. You have another manager coming in. Rafa Benitez also cleaned house with a lot of like their scouting systems, et cetera. So this is... 
this is a big disaster sort of happening live. We're seeing it happen live. It's not waiting to happen. It's happening live. You see with, with the spending that they're doing. You see like Luca Digne, for example, just was sold to Aston Villa. This is a player that was one of their best players, a very good left back. He goes to Aston Villa and what does he do? He gets an assist for Villa to beat Everton at Goodison Park. Like it's just a cruel, cruel joke that their season is becoming. And I do feel for the Toffee supporters. And that's why you see stuff like, you know, the 27 years campaign because they haven't won a trophy since the mid nineties. Um, they spend a ton and nothing's really happening. And it just, there's, there's a lack of direction and we have no reason to believe that Moshiri is going to change at all. So if he does suddenly, then Hey, good on him for actually realizing that what he was doing wasn't working and making that change. But like I've said, and like we've sort of alluded to, since he's been in charge since 2016, we have no reason to believe that he would suddenly listen to a director of football because he tried that route already and he just went over his head over and over. He got Hollywood signings like a Carlo Ancelotti, you know, all of these players from Barcelona that weren't wanted by FC Barcelona, that he'll gladly take them at Everton. So I just, I do feel for Everton supporters because this is one of the most successful clubs. They haven't been relegated since the 50s. That's huge. So it's it's certainly a story to watch in the Premier League. Oh, they do give... They do give titles for teams that win the second division in England, so maybe it will end soon. Um, I know that's a cruel joke, but um, Pereira will, will Pereira will get it done. I'm sure of it. Um, let's move on. Let's get some of the other guys into this discussion. And um, Filippo, this one is an interesting one. Um, strong rumors about Kevin Paredes heading from DC United to Wolfsburg. Um, he's also been linked with with Salzburg as well previously, and this this I think either one of those clubs um, would be an interesting transfer for him. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, so Kevin Paredes is a very talented young player. He's a lefty, right? Likes to go to his left quite a bit. We've seen him play in DC United as a left back, a left wing back, left midfielder left winger. Uh, some some of these United fans are going to say he's better on the wing back or fullback position. I personally think Kevin Paredes will turn out to be a winger uh, only, okay? Obviously, he can play the fullback just fine, but he's very talented up top, very good on the ball, lots of flair, dribbling ability, good at crossing, but he's still very young, right? So we don't know what he's going to be, a move to Bundesliga right now, like you mentioned, Wolfsburg. I think Probably Salzburg would be a better step right now, right? In terms of the level of the league, playing time and everything. Plus, Wolfsburg is not in the best situation right now overall in, in terms of Bundesliga and coaching. But that's that's as much as I'll talk about for Kevin Paredes. Still a very young prospect. I think whatever team, whatever team signs him is getting a high-ceiling winger or fullback, if they want to put it that way. Yeah, Josh, Wolfsburg... Not in the best situation, just two points above the drop zone um, ahead of Augsburg in, in the two clubs, <laughs> funnily enough, um, just next to each other, both competed for Ricardo Pepe, of course, Wolfsburg losing out. And um, there's now even stronger ru- rumors that Wood Vekos could be on his way out um, this winter because he seems as a disruptive force in the dressing room. Um, with Lucas Nem- Nemcha out as well, um, injured, right? Paredes, an attacking winger, kind of could make sense there. It, it could. I, I mean, looking at the striker position, depending on who you want to put it, I mean, Luca Bacchio could easily just get shifted, and then and then you have a, you take Luca Bacchio's spot on the wing. You put Luca Bacchio at striker because I mean, it's not brand new information that Veghorst wants out, and I think we've all known this for a while. And to be put in a situation last year where he was scoring, he was happy, and things were going well, then of course the COVID situation happened, and now. Wolfsburg are having just an atrocious season. I remember talking with you before the season kicked off that we were impressed with what Wolfsburg did in terms of transfers. We thought they had the best window throughout everyone in the Bundesliga. The only big red flag was the manager they they signed. He got sacked and then bigger questions came up with the new manager that came in. And it's just been a disaster. And I don't know if, if this is the answer for them. I honestly think the number one thing they need to do is get a proper manager in for Kofeld because I just don't think he's got it in him to be able to get this team playing the type of football that they need to play. But yeah, I mean, it's not a good time whatsoever through anyone in that club right now. And I'm curious to see what, what the rest of the season will bring. I do think that they are a better club than Augsburg. And even though Augsburg won the punch to Pepe, I still think Wolfsburg will survive uh, and not get relegated. 
Ja, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg's problem sits on the bench. 100%. Um, no wins since November 6th. Nine, nine games in a row without a win for Kofeld. Wow. Talking about making the same mistake twice. Well done. Wolfsburg has done it. Um, and the squad, I 100% agree with you, Josh. I, that team is strong. It's a very good team. You look up and down that side. That's a lot of good players. They did. They didn't. They didn't sell, which was a which was a big yeah. thing. Because I mean, when you overachieve last year, which I kind of think Wolfsburg did, I thought they had an excellent season. Uh, and then you lose your your manager, which is which is a shame. And then you you add more depth to that team, and then just a manager who should nowhere be near that job to sack him, and then sign another manager who should be nowhere <laughs> near that job. It's just yeah, I don't I don't get it. After it, forcing out the previous manager, who got you in the Champions League. Literally, and see what he and he's one of the only after that carousel of managers. I mean, you, you yeah. could argue that Glasner's one of the only managers that's doing a, a respectable job right now with that Frankfurt side. A big transition happened there, but Glasner's still finding a way to to get good results. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Frankfurt play good football, even though they're having struggled a little bit the last couple of games. Um, I do think that they actually are a very good team. Um, yeah, Adrian, you want to jump in here? I actually just had a question for you guys, because if you look at who could potentially be available, who do you think would be someone that Wolfsburg should look to in order to sort of right the ship and just ensure that they don't go down, basically? Vita Pereira. To the top. To the top. I, I like the joke, but I actually had named just some... I never thought of it until Adrian just asked it. So I'm curious to get your take. What about, what about Nico Kovac? Yeah, it's not a bad shout. And I say that because, of course, Kovac gets a little bit of a bad rap because of what happened at Bayern, right? And then uh, at Monaco. Although he did get Monaco to the Champions League last year, right? I felt it was... Oh, yeah, qualifying, he was, qualifying. Champions yeah. League qualifying. I, I felt a little unfair from his Monaco time because I thought they played really good football last year. He took a team that was close to relegation and got them to, to technically like in a Champions League position. It's just this season kind of fell apart right at the beginning because they had those qualifying games against mm. Shakhtar at the beginning. He p- kind of put a lot of focus on that because the money that's at stake, it didn't work out and then he didn't get the results right away. But he when he was sacked, he was seventh and it was such a scrum in the middle of the table. He's only a couple points off a Champions League position. So I thought that was unfair. I think he, I think he did a fine job in, in at Monaco, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout actually, Josh, because it's that 3-4-3 system too, isn't it? That Wolfsburg already play. He can definitely play that system. He he took that Monaco side. He mostly played a, a 4-4-2, but he was able to play a 4-1-2 or a 4-2-3-1 as well. So, yeah, I mean, it could be easily be adapted and he, we've seen him do it mm. before, but I I like Kovac and I think that if he had a talented team like Wolfsburg, completely different style of football than Kovel, I think he could I could think he could do something there. Yeah, he used that formation that Wolfsburg have been using the last couple of years at Frankfurt. That's what I'm basing that on, right? And then he he tried that at Bayern. <laughs> and it was just that style that he had previously just did not work at Bayern Munich. That more of like the 3-4-3 kind of Atletico Madrid football. You can't you can't do that at Bayern. Um but I think it would work at Wolfsburg 100%. It's a good shout. So that's I go with that as well, Adrian. Um Kovac would be an interesting one, I think. And he's overdue coming back. That's the other thing. Um, so, yeah, good shout, Dad. Um, I think maybe to just add to um, Paredes, he, he would be also an interesting one to go to Salzburg, I think. Uh, Salzburg, of course, is still... Uh, Leeds have made another bid for Brandon Aronson. Um, I think they're going to keep bidding until till the very end, until the bidder end, and maybe they still get their man. I, I think we covered the situation quite in depth last week um, on Friday, Josh and I did. And I think I stick with that as long, I think one of the big obstacles, and I'm not saying it's never going to happen because you never know, right? Is that Leeds United are in a legal battle of Leipzig. And I think that is a sticking point for the Red Bull HQ at Fuchlamsee. So we'll see what happens with that. Filippo, I'm going to go back to your club um, or your closest club, uh, Orlando City bring you back right into the discussion. Facundo Torres, official, $7.5 million up front, $1.5 million in bonuses. Uh, Uruguayan winger was the second most valuable player in that league, 21 years old. That's an exciting signing. Yeah, I'm looking forward. He's signing as a young designated player. Obviously, Orlando City lost two wingers that were pretty important last season. One of them was declining, which was Nani, one of our designated players that left. 
The second one was Chris Miller that went to the Scottish Premiership to play for Hibernian. And, and this is probably the first big signing that we announced. Well, it is the first big signing. And then there's still a lot of work to do, still a lot of replacements. The other player, you're going to help me pronounce his name, Erkan Kara. Is that the one you want to talk about, the replacement for DK? That's just the supposed replacement. Yeah, Austrian mm -hmm. forward of Turkish origin, hence Erkan Kara. So I'm hoping, my hope to say it right is just as high as yours. I don't speak yeah. Turkish, but we have a lot of, a big Turkish population, of course, in Austria and Germany. So um, we hear those names a lot. Yeah, Erkan so Kara. He's going to be another DP and Orlando still has yeah. another DP spot to fill, I believe, because we have Pereira, one young designated player, Kara, and then we can probably fill in with one more. So if Orlando City can fill in one more DP, and maybe make some depth signings because we kept most of the roster besides the players I mentioned. It's a team to watch out for, right? I think um, Torres is probably, based on what we were talking about, an upgrade from both wingers, Nani and Mueller. We're not so sure on Kara being a, an upgrade from Daryl DK. Also, I haven't watched Kara play at all, so anything I say would just be a wild guess. But as an Orlando City fan, I've learned to not overestimate the team they always fail to they always succeed to disappoint me so we'll see new ownership right the will family mm -hmm. let's hope they invest a little bit more yeah i think is an is interesting player um nine goals in 17 austrian bundesliga games he's one of those players who do not play at salzburg and still get a ton of attention internationally it was also talked that he could go to league or um and I only noticed because when I broke the news on Saturday that this deal was closed, it's not signed. Um, so where we are right now, um, just before anyone comes after me, um, where we are right now is that Erkan Kara is traveling to the United States to negotiate the final details of his contract and do a medical. And um, Rapid Vienna have released him to do this, right? And they have accepted the financial offer by Orlando City. So Erkan Kara still has to jump through some hoops, right? He still has to complete his medical and he has to actually agree on the financials. My understanding is that a lot of that groundwork is done, um, but it's not final yet. And I think this is always, because I don't want to have a Ricardo Pepe situation like last time, Filippo, where people come after you because like some something changes last minute. Yeah, yeah. Again, like 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 Manuel just said here, it's uh, you said it before, actually. The deal is not done until you see him signing the contract, the picture of the jersey, but it, it looks like it's going to happen. But I also don't think Orlando City's done in the transfer market. Uh, even after this signing, I still think a couple more will show up. Maybe not as big, but I think Orlando City's not done yet. Akankara is going to be an interesting one. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, if it happens, I'm looking forward to see him here. And yeah, it should be a good goal scorer. Um, based on his numbers alone. Um, so we'll see. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Philip, I'm going to stay with you um, because it is actually an international window coming up. Thank God, because I need a break. I usually, my, my pace usually slows down during the international window. Maybe not this time around because it also falls onto the deadline day uh, next week, um, which means I'm going to be busy with that. But uh, the pace of games slows down. Um, UEFA, no international window there. This is CONCACAF and Comden Bowl only. Before we talk about CONCACAF stuff, I want to 
just you to give us an update on what's happening in Common Bowl qualifying. Yeah, so Common Bowl qualifying right now has four games left, so they have 12 points to fight it out. The Brazil and Argentina are set. They're qualified to Qatar as expected. Even one game down after that whole incident, right, that Brazil's authorities try to deport um, Argentine players mid-game. But Brazil and Argentina are set. Ecuador, mathematically, they're not qualified. But right now, they are currently sitting seven points ahead of um, the sixth seed. That means they are seven points ahead with 12 to play. So Ecuador is pretty much set as well. Which leaves us with Colombia, Peru, Chile, and Uruguay to fight for two spots right now. We're Colombia, and it, they're literally in the order I just mentioned. Colombia in fourth, Peru in fifth, Chile in sixth, and Uruguay in seventh. And these teams are one point apart. Fourth seed will go directly to Qatar. Fifth seed will play an inter-confederate playoff with Asia. As of now, it would be Peru playing it. And last time, Peru played as well and made it to, to Russia 2018. So anything can happen between those teams. I know some might, before anyone says anything, maybe they'll say Bolivia has a chance. And yeah, they have a chance, but you know they just find a way to win games at home for obvious reasons, the altitude. So personally, I don't know what's going to happen there. I do think Colombia will lock in the fourth seed. They're by far the best team out of the four that I listed. And then it becomes a battle between Uruguay, Chile, and Peru. Uruguay recently fired their manager, Oscar Tabares, that has been there for a while. So... If Uruguay can shake things up, they're definitely the fifth seed. They're definitely the team to make it to the Interconfederate playoffs. But from what I've been seeing, anything can happen. And Peru is the most well-managed team out of all the four that I mentioned with um, Ricardo Gareca. That, that's the update on South America. Expect to see Brazil, Argentina, and Ecuador in the World Cup. Colombia, maybe. Fifth seed. Who knows at this point? And of course, those games are on Thursday. Friday, and then we have games again on Tuesday. Um, I think Tuesday only. Yeah, Tuesday only, February 1st. And Manuel, one thing to add too that's going to be interesting to see from Brazil. Uh, Vinicius Jr. really emerged this season as a player mm. that can actually have an impact for Brazil, which before this season, he wasn't even in the roster. Neymar is not going to be in this window, which means Vinicius might get a lot of playing time. It's going to be quite interesting to see how this happens because what I'm looking for, and I tweeted this out the other day, and some people... Th- Thought it was a ridiculous take, but and I want to hear both all of your takes here on this one to see if I'm not crazy. I said by the time Qatar arrives, which is roughly 10 months from now, we might have a Vinicius Jr. that is in better form. It might be a better player at the time than Neymar with everything that's happening with Neymar. And people thought it was ridiculous. I don't think it's too crazy with the form that Vinicius has and how he's improving and how Neymar just doesn't seem like he wants to play soccer anymore. This is something to watch out for in this window, how Vinicius will perform for Brazil. He's the most valuable Brazilian already. I don't yeah. think it's a ridiculous take at all. Yeah, I some would said I was. I would, I would fully agree with it. How about you, Adrian? Yeah, 100%. I think that a lot of people are conflating like the entire career of Neymar and all that he's achieved versus the players that they are in this moment. And without a doubt, Vinicius is a more effective player, at least, than Neymar right now. So that's not a ridiculous take. That is a big W for tactical manager on Twitter, I'd say. I always get Ws there. Just made, make that clear. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I agree as well. I just think it also helped that, I mean, we didn't know what kind of Real Madrid we were going to have this season. And when certain players aren't able to leave the club, certain players aren't able to come in, I'm looking at Hazard, Bale, there's going to be, and then obviously bringing in Ancelotti, uh, you're going to get an opportunity. And I mean, Benzema took his game to another level and his partner in crime this year has been Vinny Jr. He had the opportunity to shine. He's absolutely taken that. He's been a lot of fun to watch this season. So I think a lot of that helped too with his development this year. But yeah, Tacta, I guess, I guess got one, maybe right. Oh dear. Um, I sense some resentment. Um, This will make this very next topic very interesting. Guys, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Uh, it's just around the corner. Josh, when are we going to get the Canada roster? Uh, I'm expecting, I mean, I don't know what time we're going to get this podcast out, but it'll probably be out. Uh, I have a couple sources who were s- told me that they're expecting it today. And then I got a, a little bit more specific at about 3 p.m., which is about 55 minutes from now. But yeah, I don't know. The media call has been kind of kind of weird today. So we're, it's supposed to be today. And if you guys are listening to this podcast and it's not out, well, then that's that's just that's good old soccer Canada. 
<laughs> but we'll, yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, it's going to be, I think, interesting to see what Hurtman is doing here. I think at least we have one set of positive news, right, Josh, that and that Hamilton will have 50% attendance because that could have been worse. It, it could have been worse. It's it's a shame. I I didn't understand the decision to go to Ontario when, like you said earlier in the podcast, you're in the palm trees of, of Canada. It, it would have just made a lot more sense to, to put it out there, but maybe they liked exactly what happened in Edmonton with the, the cold that they thought they'd play that to their advantage. But I don't think Canada needs to do that with the, the talent in this squad. Uh, I know it's only one match is against the U.S., and maybe they thought that it would be a, a, an advantage. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like a very weird decision, and it, and it halfway backfired already, which is pretty disappointing. And plus, we're coming back from Honduras. Yeah, coming back from Honduras as well. Uh, a lot of travel this this window, going to Central America twice. It's it's a tricky window already. Now we're sprinkled in a little bit of freezing cold and half stadium. It just then with the Davies Eustachio situation, they started to pile up where a lot of I think Canadian national teams were feeling pretty stressed out. Adrian, the Eustachio situation, what's going on there? Uh, it's looking like that deal is going to happen. There's a, a lot of sources in Portugal that are saying that Eustachio is going to end up at FC Porto. Um, now, there hasn't been any mention of what the final fee was. That was sort of what we discussed the last time we spoke about mm. this. I was saying somewhere around five. Josh thinks somewhere around seven, which is actually a great shout because, like he said, since there's that triple ownership basically over Eustachio that they probably want a higher fee. But, um, yeah, it's looking like that's finally going to happen and he's going to end up at Porto. And what do you think of him? Like, because he tested positive for the Rona, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to miss him for that Canada fixture. That's a big loss. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a big loss. And I, I think you guys are being a little bit harsh on Canada soccer because they have just announced that they've signed a multi-year partnership with GE Appliances. So good for Canada on that announcement. But um, anyway, be, being serious here, I think that Eustachio is definitely a big loss for Canada. And we were sort of talking about this prior to recording and you could in a way make an argument that he's almost a bigger loss than Alfonso Davies because Canada is blessed with a lot of attacking talent. But when it comes to the midfield, this is a bit, you know, CONCACAF is a bit interesting in the sense that the January window, a lot of the players are based in MLS, right? So those players are in preseason. So if you don't have players that are playing currently in Europe, um, then you're going to be going with guys who are, you know, in preseason, not exactly match ready. And Stefan Eustachio is absolutely in the middle of his season. He is in form right now. So to lose him at a time like this with an important match like the one against the United States, I think it is a massive loss. Of course, you can't say that <laughs> Alfonso Davies isn't a loss simply because we have other players because he is the best player in CONCACAF. Right, Filippo? So um, it is, I agree with uh, that. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, and that's why I said it. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, this Eustachio loss, it's, it's, it's one of those positions where in the midfield, I'm going to be watching it and, and watching how that affects our overall play and getting out from defense into the attack again. Man, Canadian fans really spoke it into existence, right? You guys kept repeating Eustachio to Porto for so long that Porto just decided to sign him. They're like, all right, can you guys just stop? We'll sign this guy. We'll give him a shot. I, I'm going to intersect here. This is how 90% of all transfers happen. <laughs> we never said Pepe to Augsburg. <laughs> but that happened. But but anyhow, um, I'll let you guys finish the Canada talk. When we start to talk more about the other Cana- uh, the other CONCACAF nations, I'll dive back in. Go back to Canada. Just no, because we, actually, we should actually talk about the U.S. Because, Filippo, what do you make of the U.S. squad? Um, it's a very Greg Berhalter-like squad, right? We tend the U.S. at times to believe, oh, this squad's not that bad. And I mean, yeah, it's not that bad. But what happens is a lot of the names he brings are the obvious ones that he can't leave out of the roster, right? He can't leave out Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, even though he he can't leave out John Brooks, but he does anyway, right? Uh, so a lot of these names are there. Tim Weah made it, fortunately. He was injured and then he's fine. And Greg's favorites are there, right? We have Paul Riola is there. Roldan is there. Sebastian Legette is there with his back passes. Uh, Jordan Morris, that is still coming back from a second ACL knee surgery, is there. Um, don't know how much impact. Jesse Zardes is there. So it, it's a strong roster. It's, it's not the strongest roster, but it depends on how Greg rotates and who he plays. But at the end of the day, he's going to rotate his guys, and we're going to get at least one or two crap games from the United States in this camp. I just hope 
the crap game is not against Canada because if we have a crap game against Canada, we will lose. If we have a crap game against the other two teams, El Salvador or Honduras at home, we might still be able to pull that lucky 1-0 win like we did during Gold Cup many times. Ozzy would never hear the end of it. That's the other part. Yeah, um, I, my Twitter account would be finished just like L3 if, if we lose to Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, it's going to happen because that's just how it is. But uh, Gabriel Slonina is an interesting one. I wanted to ask you about his nomination. He's a super talented goalkeeper, but he also has a Polish passport. Do you think that played a factor here? So... I, it could be, but I, I also I, I, I speculated also that maybe Matt Turner, since the transfer window close, closes mid camp, right? Um, I was wondering if maybe Matt Turner would have to leave to close the Arsenal deal that they're talking about so much. So I don't know if Greg brought him in for that because we also have a U.S. Men's National Team U20 camp going on, which would make sense for Gabriel Slonina to be there, especially because there's the the FIFA. Uh, FIFA World Cup, U20 World Cup qualifiers during the summer. So I think it could be more to do with Matt Turner's transfer and just having a third goalkeeper. And then he brought in one from MLS instead of bringing in Ethan Horvath. That, that's, that's my idea. But Greg didn't talk about it in our crappy US media, didn't ask that question, which is a question that's a pretty good one. Right. And then I had another question for you. Um, two, actually. First, Luca Del Toro, how come he's always back in the squad? What's going on there? He's only back because Gianluca Busio got COVID. So right, he, there's other midfielders that you can call up. Is there? Like who? Who would we call up? I can think of a few that maybe play in a higher level than Eredivisie. Well, Leggett? Right. I mean, I wouldn't call Leggett over him, for example. I think we're tired. I think one player that was snubbed, in my opinion, was Jordi Mihailovic, right? I would personally bring Jordi Mihailovic over Leggett or Roldan. We kind of got tired. Luca De La Torre is a player I like to see. When he played for the U.S. in very limited minutes, he looked good. I'm okay with his inclusion. Uh, I don't think we're that deep in that position, right? I think eventually Giovanni Reina being back will be an eight for the United States instead of a winger as he was playing for Dortmund. But I'm okay. I actually wanted to see De La Torre in the squad. I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing Leggett and Rodan not do anything. Uh, they've got enough chances, and I think it's time to move on from them and give other players chances. Uh, like I said, one player that you guys definitely know very well is Jordi Mihailovic. I was hoping to see him. I think he had like 13 or 14 assists last season in MLS. But again, um, Greg has his guys, and he'll bring his guys. Yeah, Mihailovic would have been an interesting one, right, Josh? Very, very good in MLS last year. He, yeah, he was incredible. I, I, I would have loved to see him. I think a lot of U.S. men's national team fans were were giving him a show as well, and I did, just didn't know because he played for Montreal if, if that would have you know still got the attention that he he might have deserved. But he was incredible. One of my favorite, probably my favorite player to watch when I watched Montreal games last year. And I'm sure Adrian has some some kind words for him as well. Yeah, I mean, not much else to add besides he. Absolutely has been snubbed far too many times. Um, and he showed last season that he is an incredible... He's the kind of player that would be very, very useful to Greg Berhalter in this USA side. So it's one of those things that just keeps on not getting picked, not getting picked. Almost like the Christopher and Kunku of the United States. A guy who's just incredible and cannot get a call up for France. Maybe Mihailovic is heading in that direction as well. Although he could also be impacted by the transfer window closing next week. Um, I actually heard from people that know uh, Mihailovic that uh, that's not the case. He's staying. It, he 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 wanted to be in the national team and he would have been there. It, it was just purely Greg Berhalter's decision. Interesting. Okay, then yeah. the final one, Keyline Acosta. Um, how do you think this whole transfer disaster is going to impact him? And I mean, similar to Ariola, right? Um, his Twitter reaction. Yeah, so that, that was interesting one as well. Yeah, also Acosta, not that I'm the biggest fan, but he's going to have a pretty big role this window because Tyler Adams is on a yellow. If he gets a yellow card, he's suspended for a game and he plays as a six, right, a CDM. So the odds of him picking up a yellow, it's very likely. And I would actually prefer for him to pick up a yellow this window so he can play against Mexico and Azteca next window, the first game. So he's going to play a big role. I don't know if it'll it'll affect his play. Because Acosta, you never know what you're going to get from him. You never know. You can get a Kellen Acosta from the Gold Cup, where he 
balled out and was a key player for us to win that championship. We wouldn't have won without him, to be honest. Or it can be the the Acosta we see in World Cup qualifying that really doesn't produce much for us. Is sloppy on the ball, silly fouls. The one that we got also against Martinique in in Gold Cup. So I don't think it'll affect Acosta. I never know what Acosta we're going to get for the national team. That's the problem. But yeah, Josh, what's up? Just a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Stefan Ustakio took to his Instagram page 12 minutes ago and said, I uh, had two years with Passos to the chest, two years where I never hide the pride of representing this club, whether in Portugal, in the Conference League, or in CONCACAF region. I leave with the feeling of accomplishment, with friendship that I will know will last forever, and that I'm that is what I'm going to cling to. Thank you, Paco de Ferreira. I'm internally grateful for the opportunity I have represented this club. So, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry that our, our boy got the got the Porto move. I uh, was just creeping around on Instagram and saw just a picture of Steph and liked it. And uh, it was in Portuguese. And then I'm like, huh, I wonder what this says. And I went to Google Translate, but it came from Stefan's uh, account. So that to me says our, our guys joined Porto. So pretty big breaking news there. Adrian? Yeah. And that actually lines up with what uh, Pedro Sepulveda was saying yesterday. He actually called it. He said that it would be announced tomorrow, which is obviously today. So uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing confirms it more from than the player saying it himself. So that's that's a really exciting move. I'm interested to see how we'll do at Porto. Porto are like, I think are going to run away with the league. Maybe not run away with it because there's not a huge gap, but I think that they are going to end up uh, being the league winners. And so Stefan Eustachio, although I don't want to see Porto win, I would be happy to see him pick up some silverware and then ultimately playing in Europe next season as well if that move is to be made permanent. We'll see very soon what, it, what this deal is sort of made up of with uh, Eustachio going to Porto. So one question for you guys, and I, especially Adrian, that follows the Portuguese league a lot more than everyone else here, is he expected to get a lot of minutes in Porto? Or what, what do you think? Because that could affect Canada, right? If his minutes tank, he's a key player, if not the best for Passos Ferreira. What is he expected to be in Porto? I think we I think we can expect him, you know, he might not be a starter right away because they have guys like Uribe, etc. But with Sergio Oliveira leaving for AS Roma, we spoke about this on a, another episode not too long ago. I would expect that he will uh, make his way into that starting 11, maybe not immediately, you know, as a new signing, he's going to have to get used to Sergio Conceição and what he demands of his players. Um, but I, I do expect Stefan Eustachio to be an important player for them and to sort of continue on this trajectory uh, starting on in the next season. Unless he goes there and it's an absolute disaster signing and it's not a good fit and he's fighting with the manager, but I just I don't see that happening. He's, uh, he's a Portuguese speaker. I think that he'll fit in fine. And, you know, I think that when he's surrounded with these, you know, again, not to be insulting to the Passos de Ferreira players that I was last week, but uh, I think surrounded with these more talented players around him, I think it will just up his game even more and uh, he'll establish himself as an important player in their midfield soon. I think this is a big, big deal. Um, really happy for him and it's it's good news, good news that he's going to a bigger team like Porto. Um, mostly I'm excited about this because that, that will end Filippo's rant on Twitter. That's good news, I think, for anyone who follows Canadian soccer. No, 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 no. I no, no, look, no. look, look, look. Um, nothing stops me on Twitter. So this is true. Sadly. I'll find something else. You will. I have no doubt. Um, and I'm because you just said this. Before we wrap up this part, here is what is your expectation of the point total for the U.S. men's national team at this window, Filippo? So. What I want is obviously nine, and I think that's what we should demand. We should win the two home games against El Salvador and Honduras. Nothing else is acceptable there. And with everything that has happened with Canada, one, they're not going to have 100% attendance, so not a packed stadium. That does influence the teams. Not having their best player, Alfonso Davies. Not having Eustachio, what you guys were saying, maybe the most important player. Uh, in the U.S., having pretty much every player available that I would need to have the best team besides Giovanni Reina, which we haven't had him all qualifier pretty much, I think the U.S. has to go to Canada to win. Will that happen? Probably not, to be honest, but but that's um, what I would demand. So if I had to make a prediction of how many points we're going to get, I think we finish this camp with six points, if it's okay. the prediction. Asterix Omicron? 
Remember? You yes. Positive, you don't even make it into Canada. Wait, give everyone the date that we're recording. We're recording January 24th, okay? If, yeah. if half the team gets COVID and, and doesn't play, I, then I change it, okay? So January 24th on Monday, that's when we're recording this. Yeah, I think it's pretty much a given that there's always an asterisk on everything that we say. And then when you follow to the bottom of the page, it just says Omicron. <laughs> um, so with the asterisk Omicron in mind, Josh and Adrian, and first Josh and then Adrian, what's your expectations for the Canadian national team in this window? My expectations have have been basically, I'd expect five. I'm hoping for five. I'm hoping that the team, regardless of Eustachio or Davies being there, can go to Honduras, a, a team that has really nothing to play for, can get three points. I keep, I'm hoping for in that horrible weather in Hamilton for just a boring nil-nil draw. I'll take that every day of the week and then go to El Salvador. And I mean, at the same time, thinking of that, how bad El Salvador is usually in um, in the third match. And that's how strong Canada is. We've seen it in the previous windows, how, how reckless they, that, that they can be and how talented and strong and that shows the depth that Canada has. So, I mean, realistically, I should say seven, uh, that's a t- tricky one, but I'm, I'm assuming maybe worst comes to worst, we drop, we get a draw out of one of the two games. So I will say five, and I will be happy with five given the situation of, I mean, a hundred different factors that happened to the Canadian men's national team before this window. I'm going, I'm going handbrake off, man. I'm going seven points. So not quite handbrake off all the way. I'm not going nine, but I'm going seven points. I was sort of thinking of this as Filippo was speaking. I am worried about our midfield against the USA because, like I was sort of alluding to earlier, that. You know, not having Eustachio there and how we sort of build from the back and transition from defense to attack. I am worried about that a little bit. I'm not worried about our attack, especially against El Salvador and Honduras. I think we'll win both of those games. The one against the USA is a little bit more, a little bit more foggy for me. But um, yeah, I think I'll go with a draw for that one. So seven points for me. Manuel, what about you? Yeah, I will go uh, for nine. I think if you Canada now, you need to win every game. You're top of the table and... Um, I, I know there will be all sorts of excuses when we don't get the nine because we probably won't, but you have to go for nine and uh, anything else is an, anything else is a uh, disappointment. Um, will we get nine? Probably not because we'll probably beat the US and then drop points against Honduras. That's how it's often is. And, uh, You're not so- beating the US. <sighs> There's only, w- look, look, if you beat the US, if it gets to that point, it's not even Canada beating U.S. It's just Greg Berhalter did something nuts and drove Canada to win the match. That's the only way I see it. No. We'll see. We'll see. Sunday. Sunday's going to be a fun day. Um, but I, I think I could see them beat the U.S. and then dropping points against someone like El Salvador or Honduras. Not saying it's happening, Filippo, but I'm seeing like I could see that. You know, because that's how it happens. Like... Um, we dropped points against Jamaica that were unnecessarily dropped. We dropped points against Honduras at home unnecessarily. And then this team seems to show up against the big boys, against Mexico and the US. So that's just my point. Um, we've seen it many times before. Anyways, guys, uh, we're out. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting window. We'll see what Omicron does to it. Um, always the X factor. And uh, we'll be back after deadline day has passed next week in Europe because that just gives us a better opportunity to react. Might do a Friday transfer roundup um, podcast as well. So keep an eye out on that. That's no guarantee yet, but we'll try to make it work. And so we'll probably hear you then. And then we'll hear you next week after deadline day is done. Um, yeah, until then, enjoy the, enjoy the window. If you don't hear from you then and uh, cheers and bye-bye. <laughs>